Welcome to Life in the Music Business, a masterclass with Professor Pooch and your host, Bassface. Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome back to Life in the Music Business with Professor Pooch. Pooch, how you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Another crazy day in the neighborhood today. <laughs> you know, it's just music business world, one thing after another. And working it out, folks, uh, we're going to be on FM radio in Philadelphia. So uh, another place for you to look in, listen in, and all that stuff. The one thing I want to remind everyone is that you can start, or when you start watching our show and you really get into it, it's very, very crucial to be listening to every single episode back to back. Yeah, we understand some episodes you may not understand, and there's some things that you don't really know, and that's the reason that we made each episode, is to really give you insight on it. Even if that's not something that you want to be focusing on, it's still important to go in and just to hear once or twice, just to be able to soak up some information because you never know what could be helpful for you or what could uh, turn the switch on for you and, and change your whole career. No, I definitely agree because there's a lot of things like even in the, uh, you know, we gave some descriptions here and there, you know, but it's so hard to give descriptions of what we talk about because we're all over the place covering 10,000 times as much as we they give us like seven or eight words to put in the title. I mean, it's crazy. So, uh, yeah, uh, and we hit things, we might say publishing, and really hit it from the producer wanting to have the song of the publish, you know, in the, and get publishing. It could be about anything. So we're all over the place, but that's the only way you get a real picture of the music business, you know. Yep. There's a lot of different topics that we cover, so... Uh, throughout the whole process of listening to the episodes, you'll be able to find the things that you like, things that you don't like, and believe it or not, uh, figuring out uh, what you like and what you don't like, you know what I mean, they're super important, you know, especially what you don't like, so that you know what you can focus on what you like, you know, <laughs> that's the advice I could give people for the everyone that's starting their career or even halfway through their career, I mean, you got to do the things that you like, you know, you can add, you can uh, allocate the things to other people that you don't like and it make your life a lot simpler. Well, it's, uh, yeah, uh, actually some of what we're talking about leads into what I want to talk about. And like, cause I go back and listen to some of the episodes and I go read, reread some of the things I have in my books and stuff because with all this information and everything's going on and all the craziness in my music business life, I forget certain things. Now, I saw this in my uh, book. It's uh, called God Didn't Create Alarm Clocks. And it says, and we, we brought this thing up in a way, but we're going to go through it in a little different direction and I'll get personal about it so I can give you a real clear picture. But... It basically says in the book, our creations are like our children. You know, there's a comes a time we're, we're to release them to the world and, and give them a life of their own, but they will never stop being our children. You know, we'll keep an eye on them, uh, helping them become successful in any way possible while protecting them as best as we can. Because they will always be a part of us in that mm -hmm. 
we created them. Very, very important because, I mean, I, for one, will sit here and say and attest to how I've, I've, uh, fault, uh, I've, I've, I've basically, uh, we were just talking about it. I mean, you know, you're, you, you know, all the, the high flutin people you work with, you just want to be perfect and there's no such thing as perfect. Yeah, exactly. I know. Um, I can be I can be very critical of my own work, and I've been sitting on music for so long that uh, my life kind of went in a different direction, and I started focusing on some other stuff, and I kind of forgot about myself for a little while, which was uh, not the best thing. But you know, a lot of lessons were learned, and you kind of move forward. But um, this is a, actually like a, a topic that really hits home with me because. It's something that um, I even struggle with till this day is just like getting my own music out there, whether it's with my voice or anything that I do, EDM, pop, anything that I have in the archive. I just have too many things in the archive and yeah, I can't take them to the grave with me. That's for sure. That's for sure. Nothing goes, you know, all the money in the world doesn't get into the next thing, you know. But yeah, just get it. I see people, you know, I'll ask them, well, you know, oh, here's a, here's a good one, too. Uh, I'll have some people play me some of their music, you know, when I'm working with them, because I do artist development stuff. And sometimes I'll see they're pretty close to a great song, and then I'll, I'll say to them, play me something you don't like. <laughs> and it's great. You know, it, it's so hard to judge yourself. I mean, I can't judge my own music. It's like <laughs> it's like I can manage the world, business, creative, business, legal. I can't manage me. You see, everybody's very emotionally involved, and of course, their music's going to be emotion emotional to them. It should be emotional to them. Yeah, and that's another thing that's very important about music too. Just a side note. Uh, like the the music's supposed to be felt, you know, and that's the whole reason that music is so important to us. Like, and it's one of the universal language of the entire world is music. Anywhere, any part of the world, people you can give them a piece of sheet music, and they can play that. So it's like it's it resonates with us because it's energy and it's frequency, and it's one of the only ways that we can really get that type of uh, that emotion in our body through sound, you know, and it's uh, very crucial. Yeah, I mean, music is the universal language. What I love to see now, and they do with the technology, I've seen it with several songs, where, uh, oh, I just, was it a, The Weight, yeah, by uh, the band, where they had people around the world, and they recorded it at once. They recorded it, they showed people, they had the cameras on them in all different kinds of countries, taking a lead, singing a few notes and things like that I and mean, it's the universal language yeah it is it's it's but that's the whole point is that music is supposed to be felt so don't just write a record because you think your friends are gonna like it or whatever i mean it's supposed to be it's supposed to resonate with you and if it resonates with you then you you're we're more than 95 percent sure that it'll resonate with somebody else you know and as opposed to just writing records about things that you either don't have or things that you want in the future i mean Tell it us something about you. Yeah, it should be identifiable. It's like I always say, well, people, you know, uh, you, you want to be unique, but you want to be marketable at the same point in time. Yeah, it, being marketable is in your words and music that people can say, oh, I've been there. 
Oh, I know what you mean. Oh, yeah, I've been going through that. I, You know, all those kinds of things. Yeah, and those are some of the biggest songs, too, the ones that really uh, pull on the heartstrings. I mean, it could either be a super sad song, it could be about love, it could be uh, a pop record that gets everybody excited. I mean, there's many different records that can... can uh, you know what I mean, become hit songs, but in the end, they all share that emotional content that is, you know... Uh, it's something that just jumps out, and it's, it's there. And if you feel it, the audience is going to feel it. If you don't feel it, they're not going to feel it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I've even run into situations, and I'm sure other people have too, uh, that... I have all these songs, and some are remarkable, and some I just know, I just happen to really like, but they're not really marketable songs. But then I thought, wait a minute, if I can affect even one or two people with a particular song, and you, you, you never know, just hit one or two people, you're contributing to humanity. You're, as long as you can affect them in some way positively, you've done that for humanity. And you just never know of that song. All of a sudden, they start telling other people, and it becomes a hit. There have been songs like that uh, throughout history that it record companies even, you know, majors, uh, oh, God, Dionne Warwick, do you know the way to Santa Fe? That was just like... The last song in the world they thought was going to be a hit, and it became the hit of the record. You just never know, and there's you'll find this DJ that someplace is not told what to play, which is rare anymore. A DJ just, oh, I was in this flea market, and I found this song. <laughs> yeah. And there's been, they've become redone and become hits. The Achy Breaky Heart with uh, my, Miley Cyrus's father. Billy Ray Cyrus. Uh, yeah, Billy Ray Cyrus. I couldn't think of I'm, you, you know me in names. Uh, but became a gigantic hit. Made everything, you know, that was the hit for him was they found it in a, some flea market or old record store or something. It was an old 45 just sitting there. And they played it and, hey, you just never know. Just arrange it to your style, that's all. Yeah, and nowadays too, the one of the interesting things about the uh, streaming platforms and stuff is that like the music never comes down unless you take it down yourself. So like some of these records that have been out for five, six years are coming back around and becoming hit records six years later when they were just really, you know what I mean? They were, say they released them six years ago and then you you totally probably totally forgot about it and then all of a sudden it becomes a hit record. So it's like some of the music that you're listening to it's just, you never know, or like, even if you release music, you never know. But, and this has happened in the last couple weeks, two different people come to me that, Pooch, I did this song in the 90s, and all of a sudden it's out there and it's a hit. You know, like, wait a minute, I, I'm not getting money, what's going on? You know, and we, we backtracked it and, you know, set it up that way. Uh, and this happened with two different people. One was in the uh, 2000s. They put it out. Well, didn't you have things where you were surprised people put out stuff that you weren't ready for, that you had something to do with? 
Yeah, I mean, people surprise me like that all the time, and sometimes they're really good, and sometimes they're just like uh, awful. But the the really good ones are um, they just catch me by surprise, you know. Like uh, I've had a record go and like reach like really high number of streams and stuff like that, and it was just a song that I had been sitting on for like so long. But then the art, it was just the right artist, the right timing, and everything uh, it all just worked out, you know. Yeah, the timing timing is important. Timing is important. It's like, I'm not going to tell the whole story again, but the producer I was working with, uh, he didn't like a song I played. I played it from six months later. He wasn't sure. And a year later, he says, why have you been sitting on that song? <laughs> because he had the right person to give it to. It happened to be Roberta Flack. The right person to give it to at the right time because he was producing somebody I can hear that song. Yeah, he made some changes. It, <laughs> what's really funny is sometimes you'll hear your song if somebody does it. And I give people, you know, I have to with the producer and stuff. He He's the kind of person that wanted anything bare. So I, guitar and voice, that's all he wanted. That's the way he was. You know, that's why you ask a person, well, how, do you want a full recording or do you just want the basics? Well, a lot of producers want to take it where they are. I'll be honest with you, the first time I heard that song, I didn't recognize it. And the melody and words were identical, but it was rearranged in such a fashion <laughs> that the timing was different, obviously, and it was made into an R&B jazz, because that's what he was, and I'm a rocker. It's that simple. Wow. But uh, That's crazy. Yeah, arrangements, arrangements can change an entire song, and it's, oh. it's really interesting to see. Like, I love when artists release, like, an album, and then the deluxe album is, like, the acoustic uh, orchestral version of that album. I've, I've seen that a couple times with some EDM artists, and, I mean, man, that, that like, talk about getting reeled in. I mean, that, that to me, is, like, some of the most interesting stuff. I love that. Yeah, well, uh, I just think of Layla by Eric Clapton, uh, he'd done it, it was a big hit, and he was one of the Allman Brothers, and they did Layla, and it was hard rock. And then he did an acoustic set in the 90s. This is like 30 years later, 20 years later. And he played it totally just acoustic, totally downbeat kind of a thing, and it became a hit again. And he said, well, that was the way it was actually written to be done. But we were in the studio and we have all these musicians and it just turned out to be what it turned out to be. Wow. Yeah, I love that, really. And that just having that type of energy and that vibe where it's just kind of like being open and not setting any limitations from the beginning. I find that to, to be the most uh, important part of uh, like a studio session going well, because uh, you know, you could have the wrong person say the wrong thing and or the right person saying the wrong thing. And before you know it, the whole room, the whole vibe in the room changes. So you, I, I find it's always important to just keep everything civil and and uh, less opinionated is better. Typically, you know, just have fun with it. You, what what made, you made me think of is I had this bass player in my band way back. And when we were in the studio, he always played something different than what we had originally played it as. But it usually was better. It worked. Hey, if it works, it works. I don't care if it changes a little. It works. It works. That's what I'm about. 
That's why I don't usually tell a musician when I do my songs what to play. I'll give them an idea, you know, maybe the chord changes, things like that. Yeah. But they might come up with stuff better than what I thought of, like for a bass line or a guitar line or a drum, whatever. You know what I find uh, amazing too? The One of the things, the tricks that I've learned over time is uh, I also never tell them when I'm recording. So I'll say, here's the song, right? I'll say, here's the song. All right, just play through it, right? And I record everything. Like when it comes to audio, I'm like a hoarder. You know, I do not, I do not, there's not one piece of audio that I do not save at some point. Like I. You should have it on the whole. Yep. The whole time the artist is in the studio, you could capture some great stuff that. Yeah, I hate, I hate when it's like, all right, now let's it's time to record. It just takes the fun out of it. So I just record the whole time, and then I'm like, hey, just play around with this. And then they come up with everything that I need in one take, and they're like, okay, I'm ready to record. I'm like, I already got everything. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, right. I told you, I went through that myself. It was with a percussionist. When I, well, this was back in the time where it was tape. I said, just start the tape. I know we're just testing levels and stuff. Start the tape anyway. And it was just, you know, went through one thing and he just played perfectly. He says, okay, and, you know, he says, well, you're ready now? I said, yeah, we got it. (laughs) You did it. And he looked at me so strangely. But I do that with vocals, too, no matter what. You just never know. Sometimes that magic, fresh moment when they're not sure what they're going to do. And, by the way, I learned a lesson. And that is that, you know, people will maybe do a couple voice takes and stuff in the studio. And then they'll, and then they'll say, well, let me listen back to it so I see what I did. And I say, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't. Because then you're going to be saying, oh, I made that neat little term with that word there. And they're going to try to do it. And then they're thinking instead of feeling. And uh, well, I told the story of with me in the studio when I do vocals. <laughs> it's usually the first take is the take and the reason is very simple I could do 20, 30 takes it's not going to get better it's not going to get worse it's just going to be different because it's what I felt at that split second the ad lives and stuff like that that's something that's missing today too that some of the uh, producers were talking to me about I don't know if it's happened with you people have problems ad living I like the end of the song when you want to let loose and stuff like that. It's like they almost have to have it scripted for them. And then it doesn't sound like an ad lib. I mean, I have no idea what we're going to say or do. <laughs> and I might just breathe louder. You know, whatever the words take me and whatever happens, happens. It's just going to be different each track, not better, not worse. Because I just let it loose and whatever the hell happens, I get into the song, I get the picture of the song and stuff like that. But yeah, and going back to uh, where we were is that, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect and stuff, but it's our children. But I I learned something else. And I'll get a little into, this is a little into my history, which just to paint a picture. And that is that as I posted on my personal Facebook that, yeah, I've been working seven days a week, 12 to 14 to 16 hours a day for uh, 15 years. 
and I've been doing work, you know, quote unquote work, you know, creative business legal, but not my music. And I realized what had happened and I learned something about, put it out to the world so that if you say it out loud, then you're going to have to do something about it or you look like an ass. <laughs> so what I did was I put out a Facebook message. I said, I forget what I said, attention or whatever. I can look it up sometime. But uh, yeah, I've been working these long hours and days and for the last 15 years and stuff, you know, I've been sitting on this stuff. This is ridiculous. And so I said, from now on, the weekends are for my music. Yeah, of course, if somebody has a, a major problem, I'll, of course I'm going to help them. And I work through the middle of the nights anyhow. We were trying to figure out which day is the weekend night because our hours are so crazy compared with most of the world. But um, the thing is, why did this ever happen? And it happened, everybody has their own situation where they're sitting on songs for whatever reason. It could be sitting on their shelf in finished form. It could be finished recording they have on their computer. They, it could be a finished song in their head that just hasn't made it any place to be recorded or whatever. And I, I was thinking I saw that, you know, quote from my book, you know, when I'm going through it, you know, they're like our children. It's time for them to grow up and get a life of their own. You know, it's, why are we holding them back, etc. So I was thinking back, and I realized it's been 15 years. And this is what happened. I'm going to get into a little bit of a story. I can, I'm only going to name people that are dead because I don't want people upset at me because I've had the problem. Of, I'm against dropping names. And I've had the problem where people will go around me because I know somebody I know. Yeah, it, correction, they don't know them, but I mentioned somebody I'm working with or something, and they would go around me to them, and boy, what happened was these stars were pissed at me. Uh, so it's best that I just nameless... Uh, I'm against people just dropping names. By the way, if anybody just goes around dropping names at you and you to do business with you, you know, I know all these people, I'll make you a star and stuff like that. When they start dropping names, run the other way. Uh, it shouldn't happen. People are very private at the high end. But this, so I'll name it just a couple people because it draws a picture of what made me do what I did. Because I've been, you know, I started as a recording artist. I'm not going to go through the whole thing with the majors back in the 60s and 70s. I went behind the scenes, da -da 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 -da. but I was always doing my music. And between the years of 2001 and 2004, I was working with a large group of people, very well-known people, and I was writing and co-writing and had choices of producing these different people. And just to give you an example uh, of the people, because I can now that they're not alive, but it was uh, Aretha. Yeah, these are people you don't have to even say their full name. <laughs> Luther, uh, Lou Rawls, Philly boy, like me, 
different well-known people. And the, the idea was that I was going to bring back, they wanted, I work in all styles of music, and one of them I love is the old-time soul music, the real soul, but not the neo-soul now. It's just preferences, rock and soul kind of stuff. And what happened was that I was working with them, everything was going fine, and then people started dying, <laughs> getting sick. I mean, things happen in people's lives. And, but the final straw was in 2000, I believe it was 2003 and a half or four, when I had written or co-written songs to, that was going to be Luther Vandross's next album. And what happened was that we had 17 songs. We had to knock it down to 12. Typical thing. <laughs> Because the record company doesn't pay over 10 normally, but with the star, you can get to 12. I'm not going to get through the, that whole part of the business. But at that point, we were ready to go and just set off this whole thing with all this crew of people. There were 13 of us, by the way. Uh, in other words, Barry White, he was off to the side. B.B. King was working with us, but it wasn't part of the group. Um, but what happens... got named dead people. Uh, what happened was... We're ready to get moving in this whole thing with the music and uh, I'm going to do the music and production of everybody on the East Coast and the West Coast going to be a film and a management company and da-da-da-da. Everything was going to blow up gigantic and Luther had a stroke and that was the end. That was my final straw because Luther was the main person I was working with and it was his friend, it's all the money and all the, it gets into all kinds of stuff. But things happen in life. And what happened there was, uh, I've had it, I sat my songs down and put them away. And God, we're talking about 45 or 50 songs that were ready to go out. And uh, by the way, talking about different styles that you were talking about, there were a couple songs that I wrote that five different artists were going to do, but obviously it was going to be totally different styles. And you could do that. And the thing for people to realize, yes, I'm sure there's people that are watching this or listening to us, and they've been sitting on these songs for whatever reason. Oh, I had to work. Uh, this happened, that happened, this person right off with the whatever, it, it doesn't matter. The point people should realize, and we said it a couple times here, if it's a good song, it could be arranged in almost any style. And I realized the way I did stuff back in 2001 and 2004. By the way, they, those people that I was working with, no digital. <laughs> you, when you gave them songs to work on, it had to be on cassette. And this is 2001 to 2004. That's the way they wanted that analog sound. So what happened was, you know, well, I told you the story and stuff. But the point is, songs are timeless. The arrangements, the productions, and the sounds... <laughs> Now they're going to change. Okay? It's just the way it is. It's the times. And some things, I think, make things sound better. Some things I don't like as much. Uh, 
it just depends. They're different from analog to digital and all those different kinds of things. But yes, songs can be arranged in totally different style. As <laughs> Bassface and I can attest to, as we're taking one of my rockers and making it into a dance song. Yep. So <laughs> I'm really excited about that song, actually. Uh, it's going to be dope. Oh, yeah, we're going to have fun with it. And then what we should do is play both versions you know, when you hear the rock when it's done, and then hear a dance version of it, and since since it's ours, we can do what we want, you know. But <laughs> but it's fun, and the funny part is, and I'll tell you, bass face. You know, I told you I started working on my. You know, I'm gonna have the full plan in advance. My birthday's in April. I'm setting it all up now. What I'm gonna do, but all of a sudden, I just started doing after what we've been going through of listening to my songs the way they are and then wondering, geez, what other styles it might even sound better in? Mm. You just never know. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy because it's like nowadays it's really based on the production and stuff like that. So I'll go back and listen to some of my stuff and like the production at the time was just so outdated. But... Um, the song itself is good. So it's like the, the actual song itself, you know, the lyrics, the melody, and even like the part of the arrangement usually goes with the song, um, chords and stuff like that. But when it comes to the production, I feel like that's really where everything has been. That's where everything went is since like, I guess. But, but, but still, if the quality, if it, if it wasn't too many years ago, let's say it's five, six years ago, the quality might still work today. It's, it, it's, folks, anything goes. That's the, should be the whole mantra of what you're putting out because you could put it out in any way you want to. And matter of fact, face face, you could put it out the way it was and then redo it and put out the way you want it to be now and take some of your songs and put them into different styles. I just so many things you could do. Of course, we need a thirty-six-hour day and about five clones. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. Besides that, you know, you and I, you know, sleep. We'll sleep. We'll sleep when we're dead. You know, yeah. kind of a thing. <laughs> Sometimes though, I've gotten better at not being able to sleep. I mean, um, I still sleep, but I mean, I can stay up for twenty hours and have no problem. But after a while, you know, doing that four days a week, it kind of it catches up with you. So you got to take care of yourself. Yeah, well, going by going back to the same book as the as the children we were just talking about. When I, it's called God didn't create alarm clocks. God, I believe, or the the universe, or whatever you want to call whoever's the boss up there. Um, who created us, I'm sure the idea is, as you saw the title, God didn't create alarm clocks. Well, of course he didn't. It was the industrial revolution. You got to get up at a certain time, but I thought I like that. But you got to learn to listen to your body. That's what I do. It, it, there's times I, I'm saying, well, I should go to sleep now, but wait a minute, I'm not ready to go to sleep. Because <laughs> I have a morning session, whatever, and I try not to do morning anything. But well, my mornings are different anyway. It's 3 to 6 p.m. is my morning. But, oh, God, you should, I do learn if I'm really exhausted. I find out even if I can't fall asleep, 
if I just cooled down, like you, you did meditate or whatever you want to call it, I play different sounds of music on, uh, I find on the internet, you know, at certain frequencies, it just changed, you know, subliminals, I get into all kinds of things, just so I rest a little, and then even if I don't fall asleep, I, I'll still feel better. Yeah, I listen to a lot of different stuff like that. There's an app on your phone called like Relax Melodies or something. And it's basically oh, yeah? the, the free version. You can just combine a lot of different sounds. And if you get like the pro version, you can get all these extra sounds. But I have like a, it's just like, I have some like water, some uh, things like the yeah. ocean, some, some, uh, uh, this piano that plays. And it's just like a soothing thing that I just, it's like a ritual for me every night now. It just kind of keeps my brain occupied and just like sets my body at ease and I could just pass out. And has well, what it. I, I found the combination of what you're talking about, like the rainfall or a waterfall and stuff like that, where I've run into some music, what they do is put subliminal messaging inside of it. Now, subliminal, you don't hear the words. It goes straight to your subconscious, which you want. Uh, and they usually give you a list of what they're saying. And there's ones for people who want to lose weight. There's ones for people who want to stop smoking. There's ones for you needing more confidence. Ones for Now, the one I've been listening to lately is... Get where I have a problem is getting up, raring to go. Mornings to me, man, I'm just, that's why I, I really kick in the gear at midnight when we usually shoot these shows. But oh, I'm starting, you know, I want to be able to get up and get more stuff done in the afternoon. Uh, and there's just so much I have to do with so many people and so many projects that I'm on and projects that I'm on with uh, Base Phase. Plus, I have to keep up on everything that's happening in the music industry and a good deal of the film and entertainment industry for my clients. That's my role, and that's what comes out on these shows, the different things happening. Uh, speaking of that, we were talking the other, well, one of the other shows, I don't know <laughs> how to say which show goes up where, but um, we were talking about AWAL that was put out by Sony and stuff and uh, working on this as a record company, while DistroKid is doing a thing somewhat like that. Remember, DistroKid is Spotify, Spotify has investment in the DistroKid with Universal Records, where they have... It, to me, it doesn't state this, but it's almost like they're using them as an A&R arm. Yeah. And... I had, I had I think I had mentioned this on a, uh, on that same episode I had mentioned I think oh, yeah? I think it's called Upstream yeah so it's like a no, no 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 it's it's what well, that's that's a that's a good name for it actually but it's not they didn't I don't remember if they gave it a name I'll have to look it up but the thing is it's through uh, Republic which is the hottest label there is part of Universal. And uh, they're almost like, you know, what they're doing is just like with the AWAL and stuff. They're looking for numbers. Those yeah, that's what it is. It says, it says Upstream is a matchmaking service that helps artists looking for labels and labels looking for artists. So it's uh, it's a new service that DistroKid provides. So, But I didn't know who actually was behind it. So Rep knowing that Republic is behind it is super important. Well, if that's the one, they might have different ends. Like AWAL itself is a record company. And 
where other companies like Sony, which works with them, but with the uh, Republican stuff with um, DistroKid, it's, it's, you're still going to have to show those numbers. And folks, you'll notice the end part is very important, you know, that even though there are children and we're putting them out in the world, they're still our children and they always will be and we're going to protect them. <laughs> so my thing is you still, before it, your stuff goes up to Republic or before AWAL and to Sony and this and that, I'm sure Warners will have their own soon. They're all imitating everybody who's imitating everybody right now. And these are things, but you've got to still, they're going to want to see a certain amount of numbers. They're not going to say anything to Republic. Without you getting those hundreds of thousands of streams, likes, follows, uh, there's a buzz about you. You're on a TV show. You're something that works. And by the way, the interesting part is that DistroKid is going to get a piece of the action for doing it. Wow. Yes, it's small percentage, they said, whatever the hell that means, you know. But uh, hey, it's like, it's like we were talking about at different times. Major labels basically are banks nowadays. They have the managers do a lot of their work. They might put money out to promotion, independent promoters and stuff. But if they have people doing A&R for them and things like that. Uh, oh, by the way, people hear the word A&R. What is A&R? It stands for Artists and Repertoire. Now, I'm, don't ask me even try to spell repertoire, it's French, R-E-P-E-R-T-O-I-R-E, -E -E, something like that. In the old days, this is where things come up, it's just like the word publishing is from the old days. As a repertoire, what they would do is they would find the artists or have the artists and they'd put them together with the right songs and the right producers now, the songs would be with the publishing company and the producer would be signed to the record label before there was indie anything like that. That's what artists and repertoire. Nowadays, with record companies, they're almost gophers. <laughs> Dignified gophers who might find an act that's up, but then they got to make sure everything's okay with them and this and that. Uh, unless you're senior vice president at A&R, no, that's a different story where you have some power. And uh, <laughs> and it's, it's actually funny. It's like uh, you you don't realize how how everything that you do in your career will impact you later on. But um, I've seen some major producers become big time A and R's or big time uh, you know senior vice presidents of some of the biggest labels in the game, just based on you know what I mean staying consistent and continuing uh, continuing continuously. <laughs> Can't get that word out for some reason. Continue um, working toward, you know, in the music industry. Yep, yep. Uh, I've seen, well, how many of them who had a little label, all of a sudden they're a subsidiary of a major. It just, anything can happen. You just never know. Where people come in, want to buy it out. All kinds of things can happen. The thing is, you gotta start the same way. Make sure you're respected, protected, and paid. Sign, you know. Make sure you're signed, you know, to yourself. You own your company. It's a deal from strength. I'm, you know, I have to continuously work with my clients and stuff like that. They want to rush, 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 but they're not. Stuff's not in place. 
where they're totally protected when the right made a data on the recordings and the right people got to know about it. It's just like somebody just gave me um, showed me the album cover art, and even it's for it's digital. We recognize it's digital, but it's just the album cover. So they have a piece of artwork. I said, look, what I want you to do in the bottom corner. Pick your choice, right or left. It's a picture of the guy, and it's a real nice picture. It's put and print music, copyright 2021, and the publishing company. I'm not going to name it here. Circle with the P, which is the recording copyright, the sound recording, 2021, and the record company. And then put contact information at the bottom. Somebody might like the look, the sound, or whatever. If they can't find because something's missing from the metadata or something, but if it's on the artwork, anything you can do. It's like with press kits. We did a whole show on press kits, electronic press kits and stuff like that. Where I remember through the years, people don't put their contact information. I'm saying on your, if you're doing uh, physical copies even, on your photos, your videos, whatever, put at least contact information so they can get to you and talk to you. Whether it's about the music or whether they want the artist for a TV show, things like that. Just there's certain things you got to get into a habit of. My point is, even if the song's going to benefit one person, you never know what's going to blow up anyhow. But don't just sit on your music it, in your head or whatever. It's doing nobody any good. If you could just get out and... I, I feel like if one of my songs, even if it's just it's not commercial or whatever, I still put it out for somebody. Why not? If, it, if they like it, it takes them to a different place or a different dimension and... It does something positive for them or teaches them a lot. So whatever, even if it's only one or two people, that's important. Very important. That's the reason we do this. You know, it's the the main reason yeah, I do it. The love of it. Wait, what good's it sitting there? It, uh, <laughs> or as uh, I'll end with uh, going back to my mentor again when he wanted to give one of my songs to a major artist. It's back in the 70s and stuff. And, and I'm the artist that, wait a minute, that's my hit record. That's my hit record. And he said to me, Pooch, so you write another song. <laughs> and remember, I just talked about that one song where I didn't even recognize it. Well, I'm the owner. I can make another version the way I want to do it. I'm 30, you know, I was talking about it with Gene. Where he had like 400 Artists did that one song, Feel Like Making Love, that Roberta Flack did and made a lot of money from it. But it was all different styles. Uh, one of the versions became a top 10 jazz kind of rock popish hit in England. You, you just never know, or it's picked up by a radio station. You'll Who never knows? know. You will never know if you don't release it. You know That's I mean? a good point. And you never want to say at 90 years of age, Jesus, what if I would have done something with that song? <laughs> you know, something like that. <laughs> exactly. So, very important. So, I, I am putting it out 
on this on this show as well as like from Facebook. I'm spending my weekend. I'm working more. I'm getting my music out and stop sitting on it. I've been guilty of it for 15 years. You know, letting things just sit there because of all the things that happened to me in the past, etc., etc. But why not? <laughs> Let's have fun. I, I love, you know, the music. And uh, I tune my guitar to 432, and... Uh, and uh, which is a nice feeling and stuff, and I'm just going to, uh, you know, keep playing and, and just writing and and recording and setting up all kinds of stuff. Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> which fits in totally with the ending of our show. Who knows? Yeah. Tune in for the next episode. <laughs> bye bye, everybody. Thanks for watching. Tune in for the next episode. Thank you.